0: Welcome back to our second to last episode in this podcast season. I can't believe it's almost over. I have learned so much and loved talking to our guests on this podcast. And today we have one more fantastic guest. Next week will just be me and James. Today we have Carlos Rodriguez. So before we get started, I want to say this episode is sponsored by Faithful Counseling. So when I was going through the hardest part of my deconstruction, it came with a lot of anxiety and struggles with feeling alone and sometimes depression and just like feeling like my whole worldview is kind of being shaken a little bit. And so seeing a counselor was incredibly helpful in my own journey. And what I wanted in a counselor personally was someone with a Christian who was a Christian, but was also a fully licensed therapist. Were really good at their job. And I wanted to keep our sessions strictly clinical. So that's one of the things I love about faithful counseling. Our sponsors is that they assess your needs. They set you up with a therapist who is a Christian, but is also like fully licensed credentialed has experience as a therapist. And you get to choose how involved you want your faith in your sessions from super involved to keep it strictly clinical to only bring it up. If I bring it up, that kind of thing, you get to choose faithful counseling. Also, it's all online you get to meet with your counselor through video chat message them securely between sessions So you can do this from anywhere in the world. It also tends to be less expensive than a lot of traditional counselors are, and they offer financial aid that you can apply for too. So they're offering 10% off to listeners about Growing the Good Christian Girl, 10% off your first month. Check out Faithful Counseling, our sponsors for this podcast, link down below for 10% off your first month with them. So today we have Carlos Rodriguez. He's a preacher, an Instagrammer, a head of a nonprofit and an author. And my goodness, I found him on Instagram and I would just, I was, found his post so thought-provoking and just, wow, I just loved his perspective. It's so different than what I heard growing up in church and I loved it. So I asked, would you come on my podcast? And he said, yes, and I was so excited. But I wanna give just a little introduction here more than usual because um, I had my husband, James, listen to the podcast, he listens to all of them, and he said, you know, there were some parts and I thought, I don't know if I agree with this, but I loved it because it was so thought-provoking and just so thoughtful. Like perspectives I hadn't heard before and so I encourage you as you listen to this we're gonna talk about a lot of a lot of hot topics from a different perspective like we are diving into deconstruction that was my favorite part of the whole interview beginning and end of it he talks about beautifully about deconstruction and meeting Jesus there and it is incredible if you are deconstructing you will just find such life in this podcast Um, The other things we're talking about are racism, Christian nationalism, social justice, pro-life movement, identity politics. Like we are diving in here, okay guys? And I encourage you like, instead of trying to say like, this part's right, this part's wrong, this part's right, this part's wrong. Instead, just listen to this different perspective that you might've heard before and just think about it. Our counselor says, instead of passing judgment, just like listen and play with the idea. I think you'll find so much life in this podcast episode. I know I absolutely loved it. And my goodness, when he was talking about deconstruction, I was like, whoo, preach, like it was so good. And then just all the hot topic issues, he's just, he just did a fantastic job. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. So before we get started, let me just read you a couple lines from his official bio because it's just so good. He is a provocative preacher who serves communities and loves to pastor prisoners, young adults, and anyone who dares to think differently. For 15 years, he's been traveling the world, reaching broken people with hugs, passion, and the stories in Luke 15. He's the author of Simply Sonship, Drop the Stones, and The Upcoming Proximity. His main passions are leading the happy NPO and spending time with his wife, Catherine, and their three adorable children. Oh yeah, and he also wants everyone to know that he's a Puerto Rican living in Puerto Rico, and he can't wait to host you there. Let's get started. Carlos, I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Well, thank it's you awesome for having me,
1: It's my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So we start each episode of this podcast by talking just briefly about the fruit of our old way of thinking, since Jesus said, you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. So that being said, would you tell us a little bit of your personal journey with social justice and Christianity and what has been the fruit, good or bad, of that approach?
1: Okay, um, great question. Um, I was born and raised in a home that wasn't like a conservative Christian home in the West, right? I'm, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, both my parents in their second marriage. And so the one thing I always remember, even though both of my parents were in their second marriage, and I'm the firstborn or both of their second marriages, in our family, like I couldn't call my sisters half-sisters from my parents' first marriages, right? Mm. At, my mom and dad are struggling through their marriage. They're having issues with neighbors and friends and other family members, but the table was always inclusive. Like, no matter how bad things were, we could always sit down, always have a meal. After the meal, we can argue, and after the meal, there can be issues, but...
0: <laughs> That's so like, cool to have that. I grew up in
1: that- a, I grew up in a home where my dad's ex-wife, I still to this day call her mom, and her mm. and my mom are good friends my mom's ex-husband who's the dad of my third sister he was part of, he's in family photos during christmas right so they did raise me up in a home where no matter how bad things are no matter how mm. even toxic things are there's always a place to come home to be included our last name matters the fact that it brings us together that matters and so mm. you know it's it, it, i guess that was the main presentation of the gospel I had without knowing it was, you know, quote-unquote, the gospel, the good news. That was good news to my family that we could always be family.
0: Mm, That is so cool. So... Yeah. One of the things that I love about you is you're committed to following Jesus and the Bible to the best of your ability, even when that flies best in of the... my abilities. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, we're all doing the best of our ability. Yeah. Um, even if that yeah. is different than what you might commonly hear in evangelical circles, you're just you're like, I'm committed to Jesus. Like, this is my allegiance. And I love that. So like much of my audience, I grew up in a mostly white, conservative evangelical church where things like sexual purity, yeah. evangelism and prayer were like the main topics we talked about. And I don't Mm -hmm. remember much conversation about social justice at all, except for the pro-life movement, which was really about anti-abortion. And so Mm -hmm. as you work in this ministry space um, and you do so much work with social justice in your ministry, what have you observed about conservative Christian approaches toward just social justice? Again, this is painting with a very broad brush and what is the fruit that you see Mm. when social justice isn't our a a main focus
1: that's good yeah I think again another benefit um, you know part of growing up especially in more Catholic culture Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: especially in Latin America the Catholic um, there's a underlying theology which we call liberation theology Mm-hmm. And right. And there's amazing books that you guys can search for in, in Latin American theologians that talk about liberation theology, how the message of Jesus was always towards the liberation of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And I have this memory, which is one of my earliest memories. And it's always been crazy that I have this memory still, <laughs> but I was in Catholic school. I don't know if it was first or second grade but we had our first ever computer class we loved it because it was the only classroom that had ac because you have to have <laughs> acs to keep these <laughs> massive computers working right that would so be a plus yes <laughs> yeah and in the hot caribbean sun it's great when you have one one class with right. ac and that was once a week and the nuns would lead this um, computer class one of the nuns would lead this computer class and there was like a test, right like a like a choice test mm. on the computer, and you were just learning how to like push the key down and choose a, B, or C. It's basic computer uh-huh. training um, and the question was, and I never forget this, does God have a preferential treatment for the poor? Mm. And I remember the mental process because it was so like transformative for me at that age. Mm. I was like. I don't think so. Like, he loves everybody the same. Right? That's mm-hmm. what we've been told. Right. But does... And every time, and I, I I never forget, every time I wrote, no, he doesn't have a preference to be with the poor. It's like, at eh, wrong. No, he doesn't. He loves everybody. Ah, eh, wrong. And wow. it wasn't until I chose, yes, he does. And again you got to read really into like the preferential treatment of the poor, liberation theology, um, especially in Latin American Catholic theologians, which is beautiful and wonderful Mm. and so rich, Um, not perfect in any shape or form, but it was transformative to me because then whatever story of Jesus I would read, the lenses were, oh Mm. yeah, he's not choosing... He's not choosing to empower the rich. He's choosing to feed the hungry. He's, mm. not choosing, he's not choosing to prop up these patriarchs, right, in his religious system in Jerusalem. He's choosing to be in Capernaum. He's choosing to be in Nazareth. He's choosing to be with the least of these. Wow. And the fact that Jesus finishes his earthly ministry with mm. that language in Matthew 25, where he says there will be a time where the sheep and the goats will be separated, and yeah. they will be separated by this... If you give water to the thirsty, you're giving it to me. If you don't Mm. give water to the thirsty, you're not giving water to me. And there's not sort of a second part explaining, like, this is just a parable. Like, No, he's saying, (laughs) when you do this to these people, you're doing this to me. Mm. And so now going back to what you're saying, like more conservative Christianity, um, you know, I appreciate the worship and the songs and kind Mm. of this admiration of Jesus. And yet there's no, like flesh of jesus that we can touch Mm. which is so clear in matthew 25 if Mm. i go to the hungry and they're hungry and i give them food i'm feeding jesus there is no greater Uh way to adore to worship to spend time with jesus so Mm. i heard all the language that would imply that with very 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 low theological um framework (laughs) for that Uh and yet the very high obvious very clear gospel-centric theology of for the poor, especially mm. in my charismatic circles. And I'll finish here because I come from, right, I, I have the very classical evangelical experience at 13 mm-hmm. years old. I walked down when Billy Graham in Puerto wow, Rico does no way. come to Jesus. Yes, I did. That was in 95. And I did, you know, I'm in a baseball stadium. I walk to the front. Whoa. I'm crying. I feel grace. I feel forgiveness. Mm. And that's, that started kind of my journey of going to evangelical churches. Uh-huh. Um, Billy helped me find Jesus. Franklin, his son, almost made me lose Jesus, but that's another conversation. <laughs> um, and then, um. But then, but it was kind of like all the language, especially in charismatic Christianity, was very like the love of God, and mm. the love of the Father, and the mm-hmm. Spirit coming, and the fire burning. And if you read Jesus as he's starting his ministry, so he finishes his ministry right Matthew 25, as he's starting his ministry in Luke 4, he's saying, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, which mm. we charismatics and Pentecostals love, come Holy mm-hmm. Spirit upon right. me. <laughs> but, and, and going back to your language, what is the fruit? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me for what? Mm. To preach good news. To the poor. Wow. There is a preferential yeah. treatment why the Spirit is upon me, because it's to preach good news to the poor. Wow. To bring healing to the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are captives, to open the eyes of the blind, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. To whom? To the poor and mm-hmm. the blind and the oppressed and the captive. So the computer test was right. He <laughs> does have a pressure in for full- he has to i believe with all my heart jesus has to prefer the poor Mm -hmm. because that's the best thing he can also do for the rich
0: wow would you would you tell us more about that let's let's just go there for a second if that's okay
1: yeah so here's the rich young ruler who knows his bible really well who right he's a lawyer Mm -hmm. uh he's he's got money and he's got knowledge he's coming to jesus i follow the law i've done all the right things right i've i walked down during billy graham crusade right, i right. got baptized i give my tithes and offerings i right i've literally check mark all the things that mm. the religious system told me i needed to check mark and then jesus says to him because he loves him and that's mm. like scripture says the gospel says jesus looked at him and loved him and yeah. said then give all your half to the poor and come and follow me mm. so the best thing jesus could do for that rich young ruler was invite him to a life where he was going to lose that place of richness and influence and assuming mm. that his right beliefs somehow gives you the right life it doesn't and mm. so it's more liberating it's more enjoyable it's more it's more gospel centric when the worship is not me myself and i but mm. like father son holy spirit and following the son towards the oppressed the broken mm. the hurting the captive it's just
0: yeah it's just better honestly I love how you put it too, as like, we have this idea of like, God, but where's the flesh of Jesus? Like you're Mm. feeding the Mm -hmm. poor. I just love that like picture Mm. in my mind. That's so good. So how, if at all, does this understanding of social justice being so important, this preferential treatment of the poor, how does this change the way that we view evangelism? Um, does I guess, does it change the way? And if so, what changes should we be making as the church and specifically mm. as, you know, the conservative evangelical church in America?
1: Yeah, so the temptation is to completely, like, go the other side and this is Mm. it happens with every generation right we're not living anything any kind of language of deconstruction of leaving the church Mm. this like every generation goes from one pendulum to the other we get the purity culture where it's like we can't even kiss until the wedding day (laughs) to (laughs) who gives a crap right so the pendulum is always swinging back and forth that's Mm. just human nature we're always going to rebel against our parents Um, That's just just what happens. I know
0: people are like, I don't believe in deconstruction. And I'm like, what do you think Martin Luther was was Uh, doing? Like, I mean, that was deconstruction. Not the words for
1: it. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you can use the language of Jesus as Mm. he's literally saying, he's using these words, you have heard it said. Mm. And that you have heard it said is deconstructing everything you have heard said Mm. from the religious leaders of his time. Some of the mm. you have heard it said is literally what would appear to be a contradiction of scripture itself. You've mm. heard it said an eye for an eye. You know who said that? God said that. He said that to <laughs> Moses.
0: Yeah, You've so heard true. That
1: said, and Jesus is saying, "But I tell you now, like whoever asks you for, you know, carry this for 1 mile, carry it to, if somebody slaps you, put the other cheek." Like the contradiction, right? The pendulum swing mm. is massive yeah um, and so that that's what happens right and that the invitation is to not be afraid of those swings to mm. learn from those swings um to know mm. that jesus is in both extremes um mm. and ultimately the invitation and going back to your question about evangelism you know even that language like it's not mm. it's not even it, it's not even a language a whole generation is using um mm. actually there's more questions about the whole concept of mission trips, than there are actual mission trips, right? There's more mm. questioning of, um, wait, was it evangelization or was it colonization? Right. Uh, were we actually bringing Jesus or were we bringing our version of what we think Jesus is?
0: Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. well, fortunately, those questions are being asked and those challenges mm-hmm. are being made. And unfortunately, it's because too much of what we saw was precisely colonization, not Mm. evangelism. Like the word evangelio, evangelio, it means good news. Mm. And telling people... um, in Puerto Rico that in order to find Jesus, they need to look more like Americans. is not good news to a Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Telling people you know, in remote Africa that in order to know that God blesses you is when you go rich, when they will never have mm-hmm. the same kind of riches that they would see in the West, that's not good news. That's mm-hmm. oppression. Yeah. Um, and so everything that, um, not everything, that's too big of a statement, but a lot of what was transferred in these evangelistic efforts and these mission trips, was not the gospel, but American Christianity. Mm. Are there valid things in American Christianity? Yes, there are valid things in American Christianity. But unfortunately, and going back to what you said at the beginning, the fruit has been more on the pendulum of bad than on the pendulum of good. Mm. And so it is okay to question everything. Hmm. Jesus is not afraid of questions God is not afraid of our darkness um of our you know of our moments where we're like is is any of this even real right those are amazing places to find Jesus Hmm. um, and maybe in ways that you don't even know it's Jesus and Hmm. I'll finish with and I'm stealing this from my friend Jonathan Martin who is literally releasing a book on this and I've I've heard him say it enough, and I've repeated him enough that it's kind of mine now too. But whatever. Um, I endorse his new book, so I literally read. What is his new read, book called? Ah, oh, the God I find on the going, or the God I find leaving. Okay. Um, I'm I'm Jonathan Martin. He okay, literally I'll look just it up. released yeah. his new book. Please we'll, do. We'll Please link that do. down below. The God I find going away, something like that. Cool. Anyways. Okay. I did read it. it sounds uh, good, yeah. I forgot the title. <laughs> uh. But the premise of his book, kind of the, the leading story, which is one of my favorite stories, is basically this, is Jesus has been crucified, the disciples have been scattered, mm-hmm. and they're literally two disciples who are going away from Jerusalem, like they're leaving Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're disappointed, they're sad, they're yeah. like, everything we thought we knew didn't happen. Mm. And we assume we would be, we assume if he's the Messiah, then he's going to lead us into the new kingdom. We assume, you know, we would get rid of Rome. We assume we would keep doing healing signs and wonders. We assume for more water, turn into wine. They assume so (laughs) many things and it came crashing down in like Mm. 72 hours. Mm. And so they're on their way away from Jerusalem, the place of worship, the place where God's houses were literally once a year, the high priest could go into the presence of God. And if the smoke comes, then our sins are forgiven. They're leaving their whole understanding of spirituality. And mm-hmm. on their way away from Jerusalem, Jesus comes to them and Jesus doesn't reveal himself to them. Actually, he asks questions, why are you so sad? Like what's happening? And so he's allowing them to process their deconstruction. they wow. literally everything we form is coming down, is collapsing. Yeah. And in that process... Again, I think there's a whole generation in that process where we're walking away from all our Jerusalems, all our versions of this is where you find mm-hmm. God, this is where you give your offerings, this is the festivals and the conferences and the events that you come. And mm-hmm. it's on the walking away that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is finding us. And he's like, he's wow. not even that concerned with saying, mm-hmm. I'm glad you left here because you're going to find me here. No, he's asking questions. He's letting us process. He's letting us, right, walk through that kind of torment which is liberating, which could be mm. painful, but could be enlightening, where we kind of like yeah. now understand, oh, wait a minute. All these things, I believe, really, I, I, they're kind of a waste. Um, and I'm glad that I'm getting to that point. And it's not until they get to the table, which now mm. I'm going back to where I started. Yeah. Like, there's always a place at the table and everybody's mm. welcome to the table. And it's at the table when he breaks the bread and serves the wine that their eyes were open. Yeah. And they say to each other, one, our heart's burning. Like in the midst of the pain and and the questions and the going away, our hearts are always burning. So Mm. I feel like that. I feel like I can question, happily question 99% of everything I believed about Mm. Jesus, God, church, Bible, etc. But my heart still burns Mm. and I'm willing to keep walking even away from everything I knew.
0: Wow, that is so good. I just... I've never heard of it like that. Like I've never heard of put like that. That's mm. so good. So um, I wanna get into a couple of hot topic social justice issues with you in a second. But first okay. I just wanna piggyback off of my last um, evangelism question. And I know growing mm. up it was so like, there was this emphasis on the souls. And I think part of this has to do with the theology of heaven and hell that we were raised with. But, um, this idea of like the most important thing is that the soul is saved and everything else is secondary. What is, what are your thoughts on that? What would you say to that?
1: I mean, it really is, it, it, it's a legitimate concern because the afterlife we're talking even outside of Christianity is the question of every culture, every religion, Mm. what happens when we die? Mm. So, I don't completely undervalue when people have this place of certainty. I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm. Like that whole, like, if I die today, I'm gonna go to heaven, Mm. like, you know? And I really also do value the fact that the entry point, which is a beautiful thing of Christianity that we've lost in the West, the entry point is as simple as like, I believe, Mm. as opposed to, I have to do these 50 million things, right? right? Because sometimes when we talk about social justice, we can fall into the trap which then becomes performative, I have to do all these things and say all these mm. things and tweet all these things in order to be right. right. We can fall into another kind of fundamentalism, right? Mm. So I don't disregard completely that kind of like the mystery of just because I believe I can literally spend eternity in heaven, mm. however heaven looks like for different people. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious talking about heaven with my kids because you know it's um, very <laughs> theologically incorrect.
0: Sure. Um, <laughs> I know. The other day, our daughter, who's three, said, "Daddy, um, how does God chew if he doesn't have teeth?" Like, very concerned about this. How does he eat his food? <laughs> I love talking with kids. We talked it. about God
1: not having teeth. That makes no sense. I love it.
0: I know. Aww.
1: But according, but according to Jesus, they're the ones that know the kingdom. They're the owners of the kingdom. Mm. So you got to pay attention to what the kids are saying about the kingdom of heaven, mm. right? That's Anyways. Good point. Um, So I don't want to like disregard completely that beautiful part of the story. You know, some of those old school evangelists would say like, you know, if if at the last moment, the worst human being in the world would just say, Jesus, and they could go to heaven right there and all the sins were forgiven. And we know that that has theological basis at the cross where Jesus is next mm-hmm. to the thief and the thief is like, remember me in paradise. And he's a court. If you're if you're fully framed in that theology, then you believe that Jesus and right after Jesus, the first person in the kingdom of heaven, was that thief being Mm. crucified next to Jesus. Mm. And so, right? You don't want to disregard the beauty of that, the mystery of that, and how inviting and in a way how easy and welcoming it is, right? Mm. The problem is the people that don't pray the prayer, which is not scriptural, right? Mm. The people that don't proclaim those words, fill out the card, go to church next Sunday. The Mm. problem is when we turn it into these steps that are not even biblical, Mm. but we are so used to them that we assume they're like gospel doctrine. Hmm. And so we just limit God, we limit Jesus, we limit the good news. If it's really good news to the poor, then, right? If you don't pray this prayer, you're going to go to hell for eternity. That does not in any shape or form (laughs) Uh, sound like good news to nobody. I mean, to absolutely nobody. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely in a journey um, of questioning heaven, hell, how to get in, how to get out. Does Mm -hmm. anybody really, if God is love, does anybody will really spend all of eternity Mm -hmm. burning? Because they didn't have the chance like I did in 95 to respond to a Billy Graham message. Mm. And that's okay. That's liberating. And it's mm. actually okay to admit that a, like a humongous amount of church history was very much pro, yeah, we're all going to end up in heaven. Eventually, mm. if Jesus is the Savior to all, if God's will, according to 2 Timothy, is for all to be saved, mm. wait, God is going to spend eternity not getting what he wants, which <laughs> is for all to be saved? Like, right. what, kind of, what kind of God are we preaching, right? Like, mm. he's all powerful, but he's just going to spend eternity like... Well, I guess I failed. That makes no sense. Um, And so, you know, how beautiful it is. What a wonderful thing it is to question hell and -hmm. everything we believed about how to get there or not get there Mm -hmm. and how liberating it is to know that, you know, ultimately the main thing is if it, if it, if. If we go to the core of the message of Jesus, God is love, He loves you, and there's always a chance. There's always going to be an opportunity. Um, So I believe in salvation. The problem is that the evangelical church, I I think in a way, preached the salvation of the soul as a way to excuse not saving anybody's bodies, anybody's communities, anybody from sickness, anybody that was being oppressed, anybody from prison. Which yeah. again, going back to Matthew 25 is the list. Jesus tells us that mm. is the list. That's what we're going for. So, mm. you know, go ahead and question it all. I love and ultimately, that. I hope that we all land on God is love and mm. everything else. We'll just figure out. We have all eternity to figure that out.
0: That's so good. Okay. Wow. I'm loving this. Um, so I want to dive into a couple hot topic issues with you. Um, okay. The first one love is... Those. Yeah, right. Um, the first one is racial justice. So I've heard from a lot of Christians who, again, speaking like evangelical conservative, mostly white churches, like what I grew up in, mm. who believe mm. um, that racism is really non-existent in America, kind of like that systemic racism. Mm. And talking about recon- racial reconciliation, they'll say is being divisive to the church. Like we just shouldn't talk about mm. it. So, interestingly enough, I I think. The res- that response that they have to racism is a huge reason why so many people are deconstructing their faith which is yeah, great yeah. Um, but would you share yeah. with us like how would you respond to that idea that mainly that it's racial reconciliation is divisive like w- would you just kind of break that down for us and show us like yeah. what scripture actually says about this
1: yeah well really I, I'll take the lead from Jesus and go to a story right because mm we can go through all the scripture all the bible verses all the right or wrong reasons between critical race theory and non-critical race theory Mm -hmm. but if you talk to anybody that is not born into white privilege Mm -hmm. then you'll mostly likely hear stories of how racism affected i didn't have a choice i'm 10 years old i'm living in lakeland florida my parents had separated at that time i'm thrown into school two weeks later I know house and car, those were the two words I knew in English. And I'm in this public school in Lakeland, Florida, and my teacher is literally called Mrs. Strickland, which is weirdly almost <laughs> prophetic. It was like the Strickland had welcomed me. Oh my goodness. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best. I learned, you know, 10 years old, you're like a sponge, so I'm picking mm-hmm. up English pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But there were two Puerto Ricans in the room, myself and a friend called Leonardo. And Leonardo and I, for weeks at a time were asked to stay during lunch hour to clean the classroom and clean the desk of all the other kids Oh because, my gosh! and i quote mrs strickland would tell us you're only going to be as good as a janitor are you so all the kids me? got to go out i'm not all the kids could go out and leonardo and i had to stay back and clean the desk and I, I have that memory right wow. I'm 10 between 10 and 11 and I'm cleaning the desk and I, I, I almost remember like first time of like um you know there's pencil and how it spreads and having to think about how to do this right so that it's I'm Whoa. doing a good job and I'm having to internally process that at 10 years old I don't have the choice wow. right, of the experience whether you know, there's racism in America or not. I didn't have that choice. I was thrown into it. I fully experienced it. I had to overcome it. Um, Leonardo ended up being um, switched to another school. I unfortunately heard very sad news about him, you know, in the future in junior high and high school. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents kept, you know, encouraging me. My parents got back together in Lakeland. So I lived there for a year and a half. Um, And, you know, there was, I, I started to speak English. I'm literally right now um, being able to have this podcast with you because while all that's happening um, and the school's not doing anything, there's this lady who's a volunteer. Her name is Angela, another prophetic name, Angel. And Angela from Peru comes and she's the wife of this well-known oncologist in Florida and she spends every single day tutoring me. She's my ESL tutor. And she's like, You're gonna, you have a good brain. You're gonna learn 500 words a week. And don't worry about the wow. ED, whether it's past tense or future. You're just gonna learn words and words, and then you'll figure out mm. when, you, when it's past tense, when it's future, whatever. And that's what she did. And she spent all this time, right? Taking her, nobody else did. And mm-hmm. so I experienced both the, you know, the racism and the generosity. I, I encountered mm-hmm. both sides. I'm choosing to, right, not be to my response not to be fully bitterness mm. but to be i want to be like angela and i want to serve others like angela served me mm. and yet at the same time i have to be fully aware that that's this reality right now for other mm. puerto rican kids in florida and yeah. for african americans in georgia and mm. right and we see it on the news because it's yeah. real it's not made up right and right. and so hopefully the church is willing to have those conversations you know how we can shut up about it if we deal with it you don't mm. want to hear about it anymore, then freaking talk about it, preach about it, challenge it, get mm. rid of bigots, get rid of racists yes. in the in the boardrooms and the classrooms and the pulpits. Mm. We can shut up about it if a whole generation just face up to the moment and repents like we should. Mm. The church should be leading the way. I I have a strong conviction, and it's almost like a rebellious part of me. Where It's like the the white conservative church will not end up with Jesus. Like that won't mm. be the end of the story of Jesus. It's impossible. So in a bizarre way, I'm going to hold on to Jesus just to spite all the races that wanted to ruin Jesus. And so... Um, and so yeah if we want to deal with it when we have to we have to talk about it we have to be uncomfortable about it we have to challenge Mm. I have to challenge my own biases my own prejudice because I can talk about the places where I'm underprivileged but I can also talk about the places where I am like I'm a male right so I have Mm. privilege in the context of being a man who's leading an organization and Mm. right and and so I have to learn myself how Mm. to use my privileges in order to empower those who are right under privilege and how to stop assuming that they're voiceless they're actually voiceless because i'm not giving up the microphone myself Mm. imagine if the church the white evangelical church would dare to okay who are african americans or latino leaders here tell us more about that liberation theology that we Mm. feel it's like anti-gospel but maybe we can learn a a thing or two about it so Mm.
0: that's so good That's my rant. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I guess this I'm going to kind of go on a sub note from here. This isn't the second social justice topic. This is just a sub note Um, on a similar note. Would you talk with us about Christian nationalism, like its fruit and what the Bible has to say about that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, in a bizarre way, if you don't believe in the progression of the Bible, right? Mm The story of scripture is progressively including more people. It literally Mm. starts with this family. And then it's the one brother who murders the other brother. God is like, okay, I'm gonna be nice to you. But then he chooses Abraham to have this one nation. And then there's 12 tribes. And then it's Judah and Israel, right? And it's constantly progressing. There's Mm. this epic moment that's uncomfortable to even talk about in the context of Jesus, where this Greek woman, Um, who has a daughter who's being tormented comes to Jesus and he's like I only came for the house of Israel like I'm not going to give the food to the dogs and it's it's part of that progression and I think Mm. Jesus is being very intentional about showing this new point of the progression where mm. even Jesus saying it's only for the house of Israel, and she says, "Well, I'm 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 willing to eat the crumbs from the table." And Jesus mm. said, oh, "That's it right there. This is like epic moment of transition into even more people being included. The Holy mm. Spirit comes in Pentecost. They're speaking literally speaking other tongues. Other people that would have never heard the good news are listening to the good news, and it's constantly progressing. Then you get to Peter at Cornelius's house, and now it's like the Romans are being like included. It's constantly progressing mm. to more people. What Christian nationalism does is constantly like restrict who's included. Mm. Now it's now it's Christians in America that vote this way. Now, yeah. now it's believers who have this theology, who don't have women pastors, who come right. from the perfect lineage from Europe. Right? So it's constantly going backwards on what Scripture is constantly trying to do, which is include mm. more people, love mm. more people, welcome more people. And so it is completely anti-Christ. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying it's the anti-Christ, but it is anti the message of Christ, right? Mm. Which, is, uh, which is salvation, um, mm. and it's salvation for all. So it's going backwards um, and it'll find the right Bible verses, right of context to justify right, right. right nationalism. It's incredible how many Bible verses about building walls in Nehemiah I heard when Trump was trying to build a wall. Um,
0: Yeah. It's
1: amazing how many scriptures I found about, you know, the anointed crazy king when they want you know, another, a different crazy king.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: So it's, it's, you know, it's not hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do it myself. I can find the right scripture for that Mm -hmm. one point I'm trying to make, and I can take it out of context myself. So it's human nature. The problem mm. is when it becomes a system that 's oppressing a whole Light. group of people mm. and it 's classism and it's nationalism and it 's patriarchy and it's right and and you get into all those dirty isms mm. um, that we need to I, I mean we need deliverance from them like mm. we need to cast those demons like yeah. if we get charismatic Pentecostal like we need liberation from them mm. and so I I truly believe that the message of Scripture, and it's so clear, is constantly including more people, more Mm. nations, um, more categories, as we ourselves create those categories. Even back to Matthew 25, in the language of the least of these, it's not that Jesus is saying they're the least of these, it's how we see them, like we Mm. see them as the least of us. And Jesus Mm. is saying, whoever you consider the least of you, in Mm. the context where you're at, that's mm-hmm. where i am like that's mm-hmm. literally where you find me wow. and so christian nationalism tries to do the opposite of that establishing mm-hmm. its king establishing its theology establishing the nation that's going to be kind of like the new jerusalem
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: completely antichrist. it's baloney and it's a shame mm-hmm. that so many good people have fallen for it the temptation mm-hmm. has been real um and we need liberation
0: that is so good wow okay so here is the second hot topic issue. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it is being pro-life. So in yes. my church experience that was used really to talk about making sure that babies were not aborted and to hopefully yes. support the moms through crisis pregnancy centers. But we're so often silent when it comes to other seemingly pro-life issues like the death penalty mm. or medical care sure. for the underprivileged or immigration or whatever refugees. Mm. So what, what would you say it really means to be pro-life and is our version of pro-life biblical Mm. ours meaning the conservative evangelical american church
1: yeah so for sure there's just so many places we can go with that but number one (laughs) uh, number one and this is me in my privilege because i have used my platform as a man to proclaim Mm. this is what a woman should do or should Mm. not do with her body. Mm. So from the get-go, it has to be a conversation led, microphone has to be given from men to women and let women lead this conversation. That's Mm. like, to me, that's obvious. Now, Mm. it could also be a cop-out. Like, I don't wanna say which one I believe in as a man. So let me say, this should be a conversation for women. Like, I know that I'm part, we are all part of this conversation an Mm. important conversation but the ones who need to be leading is women. Mm-hmm. Now, um, there are specific instances in scripture, right? Where, for example, um, in the Psalms, when David is saying in my mother's womb, and there is, there mm-hmm. is language to say, well, right? Life is, a, life is in the belly. The problem mm-hmm. is we don't know like the date. Is mm-hmm. it 15 weeks? Is it two minutes? Is it right mm-hmm. before they're born? the more I've been listening to Hebrew scholars, like the Jewish, like the Hebrew Bible, the mm-hmm. Jewish people don't have the restrictions that conservative Christians have put at the extreme mm-hmm. they have put, right? Interesting. Um, so I hi- I highly recommend um, reading, right? If we're using Old Testament to validate an argument in 2022, mm-hmm. let's listen to the people that know the Old Testament more than us, right? Because mm-hmm. it it is their book. Um, <laughs> And so it would be like all of us forming a theology based on something that the Quran says without talking to our brothers and sisters who practice Islam, right? Mm. That's kind of what we're doing. Anyways. um, Quick question there. Is there a
0: certain like book or scholar that you recommend for this issue? Or you can even, if you, okay, yeah.
1: I'm looking, I'm looking because my pronunciation, it's terrible, right? (laughs) Uh, I'll link it down below this episode.
0: This is her name.
1: Rabbi. She's a rabbi.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Danya Rutenberg. I think I said that right. Awesome. Okay. Rabbi. She is phenomenal. She's written about it. She communicates about it. She engages Christians in a very honoring, loving way about how to have this conversation, the pro life conversation. She would be the one, the voice that I would recommend the Mm. most when you're talking about how that applies to the Hebrew scriptures the context of when does life begin.
0: Mm. I'm gonna rabbi. link that below this rabbi. podcast. I wanna check Please that out. Do. Yeah.
1: Please do. Anyway, so first women should lead the conversation. Number two, we need to learn concepts, you know, the concept of where does life begin. If we're again this is because we're talking about Bible and what's the Bible say about it. Right, right. We need to we need to admit that Jesus says zero percent about it, right? Mm. We need to start there. Jesus talks nothing about abortion. True. It's not, it, it, there's zero conversation about it. So as Christians, because we keep using that title of Christians, meaning follower of Christ, mm-hmm. but we're basing so much on random verses outside of what Jesus said. right? right. Um, and so it's, it's an impossible conversation to have because there's so much passion, but unfortunately so much politics wrapped around it mm-hmm. that we can't have sensible conversations. Mm. A woman gets raped, she doesn't want to have this baby, can we have that conversation right, right, about whether she can have the abortion at week five or week 15 because it's literally what happened to her, a crime mm. against her and her body? Mm. Um, can we have a conversation about having abortions literally, uh, generally for convenience? This is not the right moment for my career to have this child. When do we draw those lines? The problem mm. is it's it's too like boom black and white and like right. we can't have right
0: mm. and so
1: let's listen to women I have oh there's another a, a good friend um, and I want to find her on Twitter do the same thing I did um, she unfortunately and she's written about it um, dare to let me see if I find her book
0: I'll link this uh, one on down below name. too yeah. love having thank resources you, thank
1: you. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to find it and send it to you. That's totally
0: fine. It will be down below for all my listeners.
1: Okay, excellent. And so, you know, listening to women who are directly speaking about this Mm -hmm. um, and and having an honest conversation and ultimately being humble about, you know, the fact Mm -hmm. that we don't know everything and that Mm -hmm. we are legitimately pretending that we have scriptural basis for it or Mm -hmm. against it when we don't. Mm.
0: And I wonder too, like there's this part of me that feels like there's such a discrepancy that we're so focused on being pro-life when it comes to mm. this topic. And yet we're silent with so many other topics yes. that are about life. I don't know why so, so that is <laughs> like, maybe it's just wrapped up in politics. Like you said, I'm not sure.
1: It, it really is. Uh, you know, the the, 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 the phrase is identity politics. I have this political stand because this identifies me with a specific group. Mm. I haven't really thought about it, I haven't really considered, I haven't really studied, but if I believe this, this puts me in this camp. Mm. And it really is insane how it switches so quickly. Mm. We believe this about a situation, but one of the political leaders said this, so we completely turn our backs on Mm. that moment. right? Um, and it's just identity politics and abortion, I think, being the main identifier of your political stand in the U.S. for a Christian. Mm, um, and, and that starting point is like almost impossible to break through. Mm. Um, and so for those who have platforms like yours, for those who have, how about we invite women who are pro-choice to mm. come to our platforms and let's have an honest conversation and right. let's be challenged and, and let's ask questions and just kind of bring the rhetoric to a place of like human kindness, um, discussion, um, mm-hmm. because there's no, there's no way forward unless we do that, I don't think.
0: Mm. Yeah, so on a similar note, um, I always yeah. thought Christians had to vote Republican, um, again, because sure. it was pro-life way to vote, God cared about life. And I think this perspective of having to vote Republican, especially with recent political leaders, is another Mm. big reason why so many people are Mm. deconstructing. So would you talk with Mm. us more about this idea? What does the Bible actually teach us about things like political parties? Like, would Jesus want us to only vote Republican? Can you share your thoughts on that with us?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) He He couldn't care less. Can I say that? you can absolutely <laughs> say that <laughs> it's it's kind of insane but okay so you know in the time of Jesus he's obviously incredibly inclusive and you mm. have to understand that there's one of his disciples who's Judas the cellot and the cellot was like a, a freedom fighter right mm. like a political party in the time of Jesus that was super anti-Rome mm. and what the Sellots would do they would weaken the bridges going into Jerusalem, the structures of the bridges, because as the peasants are walking, as the shepherds are walking with their sheep, the weight is not that much, they wouldn't collapse. But when the Roman Calvary is coming in,
0: boom. Wow. So Celots
1: would do what some might consider a terrorist act. Mm. One of them is the disciple of Jesus. Wow. You also get Matthew, the tax collector who to the Jewish people in the time of Jesus were the worst of the worst. They're worse mm. than the Romans because they are literally Jewish people who work for the empire, who take away from people, from their businesses, from the temple to give to Caesar. And, and, and so we're mm. talking like these are the worst people that you can
0: And think so of. opposite the in their ideologies so too. That,
1: and I guess that's the point, right? In the context of the disciples of Jesus, he's very intentional about bringing complete opposites to the mm. same table. Wow. Now he's not bringing he's not bringing complete opposites to the same table to say everybody's fine everything's okay no he's bringing complete opposites to the same table to teach them this is the way this mm. is the kingdom of God repent change your ways this is the kingdom of God mm. and some of the statements that Jesus is saying is obviously challenging maybe it sounded more challenging i can imagine Jesus saying some stuff about if somebody slaps you Actually, when Jesus says that somebody asks you to walk a mile and carry their stuff, carry it two times, carry it two miles, it's because by law, if a Roman citizen was carrying something and you, a Jewish peasant, was walking, by law you would have to walk that one mile.
0: Mm-hmm. By law,
1: Jesus is saying, do two miles. Hmm.
0: I, can wow. cell-
1: I can imagine Simon <laughs> the seller I can imagine Simon the just absolutely hating that. Yeah. I would. Yeah, and Matthew, I would too. On kind of being, Matthew on the side kind of be Matthew on the side kind of be like, yeah, <laughs> come on, like let's take care of our Roman bosses, and then Jesus is saying other stuff like, precisely Matthew twenty five, like what well, we got to feed the hungry, like it's their problem they're hungry, we got to give water to the thirsty, like they need to do pay their taxes so they can get the clean water from these mm. great new Roman aqueducts we're building, and so Matthew would have hated that one, right? So Jesus, I yeah. think, brings both perspectives. Uh, so both sides together intentionally mm. to challenge um, their conceived ideas or political inclinations. Um, we know the Pharisees and the Sadducees are, are almost like two different political religious parties mm. inside of the temple. And, and you know, even in the gospel it says, these guys believe in angels, these didn't. These guys mm. believe in the afterlife, these guys didn't. And so it's like these extreme opposites themselves. Yeah. Jesus is challenging. Jesus is you know calling them out. Jesus is inviting them into a better way, a new way, repent, meaning like literally change direction from the way that you're walking and mm-hmm. so and so Jesus is you know welcoming people not to like oh everything's fine let's all be together let's all be let's all um, like be kind to each other that's the yeah. beginning, but if mm-hmm. we stay there there's no liberation for the poor there's no mm-hmm. you know there's no there is no opening the sights of the blind. There is no doing the stuff that is good news to those mm. who are broken. So yes, I, I, don't think, I don't think somebody's gonna go to heaven or hell based on uh, they voted Republican or Democrat. Um, <laughs> the, a... the, fact, the fact that we even have to have this conversation because it's so real in America proves how, mm. in a way, self-centered our mm. theology has been, um, mm. how inner focus, right? Mm. Our scope of the world has been. My goodness, there are a lot of political things happening all over the world that mm. are way more important whatever Trump tweeted or didn't tweet or whatever Biden is doing or not doing that he said that he would do. Mm. And unfortunately, and I'll finish here, for us Puerto Ricans, who we are American citizens who can't vote for the president, mm. um, right? So we, we have many ways to explain the American experience from a place of not having a voice. We don't have a mm. representative in the Senate. We don't have, right? Um, But I'm sure you get to pay your
0: taxes, right? My goodness. What's it called? Taxation
1: without representation back in those days. I know, right? Good good cost to go to war. (laughs) Seriously.
0: (laughs) But but honestly,
1: for us here, whoever is president in a way, like, it's hard to see the difference, honestly. Mm. And I can say intentionally because Trump didn't or didn't do this after Hurricane Maria. Uh, Funding was affected. Recovery was affected. It hasn't been that much better in Biden time. Mm -hmm. So even for me, I literally can't vote. It's not like I can can Mm -hmm. prove Mm -hmm. that that division is ridiculous and that it's way more similar. The rhetoric is so different, so we can identify with one or the other. Mm -hmm. The experience is unfortunately too similar, Mm -hmm. and I think the way of Jesus is superior to both.
0: I love that. So my very last question for you today is what if there's one takeaway that you want my listeners to have from this episode, Mm. what, what would be the most important thing for them to take away today?
1: Yeah, I think when we were having that conversation about deconstruction, about making room for the questions about it being okay, it's painful. And I know Mm -hmm. it's painful because I spent 10 years pastoring a church in Raleigh. I built family there. I had friends there, deep friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And, what I don't speak to 90% of them Mm. Um, and Mm -hmm. it's not like an intentional choice it's just our lives are so different I'm actually living in another place where I am politically theologically mentally Mm -hmm. in my stage of life and it's just so painful right for those Mm -hmm. people who are out there um, who you know the 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 fear and the pain of losing all that family is real Mm -hmm. and the journey of deconstruction there's a price to pay for it but on the other side, the freedom, and sometimes being off on Sundays is really nice. And not, <laughs> sure, I especially like eight, after pastoring, I like, I've been. It's like eighteen years of performing on Sundays. Wow! Right? Like I'm not just going to church on Sundays. I'm either leading mm-hmm. the meeting, I'm either preaching. I was I, for a time I was leading worship. Even if I'm not doing any of that, I still mm-hmm. got to be at the front. I'm the one raising my hands, and my mm-hmm. kids got to behave, and my wife and I have to look happy. Just to. Do, <laughs>
0: You mean Sundays are actually a Sabbath now for you? Like, (laughs) wow, (laughs) that must feel good.
1: (laughs) Listen, for conservative Christians who were born and raised in toxic, Mm. abusive cultures, deconstruction is the good news of Jesus.
0: Mm. That's so true. That is so good.
1: And and so it's okay Mm. to take a deep breath, to take a humongous step back, Mm. to walk out of your Jerusalem, To not have the answers, and maybe you won't ever have all the full answers. We're to being a human being for thousands of years. We're just pretending like we know what's going on. We don't. And (laughs) that's liberating, right? Mm. That helps us breathe better. Um, There are things. It's almost like in deconstruction. Any of my friends who have walked some sort of a journey of deconstruction, they let go of like, 80%, 80%, there's always that 20% mm-hmm. that they hold on to, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, I, I don't really believe in the church in the West and I don't go to church, but like gay people shouldn't get married still. Like, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that one. Right. And so we're still all picking and choosing where we get to be mm-hmm. fundamentalists, where we get to identify. We're yeah. still like, I don't go to church anymore, but you know, I pray my prayers because I wanna make sure if I die today, I go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so walk that journey and have those uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. And don't have the uncomfortable conversation. That's also another part. Like, if you don't want to talk about it with anybody, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, just be free. Just, mm-hmm. and for me, my invitation, apart from anything, if you're gonna throw everything, the full baby out of the bathwater, is that the expression, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, just give <laughs> Jesus a chance. Like, just give Jesus, yeah. let's, not, let's not let him completely be taken over by white mm. Christian nationalists. And let not the story of the brown Messiah mm. who was born in Palestine, let it not be completely ruined mm. by identity politics and nationalism and all that. And, and so walk the journey. But my hope, Carlos's hope, is that we can come out with the true good news mm. of liberation, of salvation, of healing for those who are sick, of welcoming for those who have always been rejected, of yeah. everybody being included in the table. And not just included so that, hey, I got you now, so let's believe what I believe, but right. included actually to be transformed by their experiences and mm. by their theology and by their journey. Yeah. And so it's just a better place. It takes a while because it's a lot of baggage,
0: Yeah. but eventually definitely. you
1: start to walk lighter
0: mm-hmm. and
1: eventually you start to you know, breathe deeper and more calmly, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can all get there somehow, some way.
0: So good, thank you so much for taking this time to be with us today. It was, oh, it was so wonderful, life giving for me. And thank again, definitely check out those books linked below, and Carlos's Instagram is linked down below too at Carlos Happy N P O for some challenging, amazing, and encouraging posts. So I'll see you all next week for another episode about growing the good Christian girl. Bye, Carlos. Welcome back to our second to last episode in this podcast season. I can't believe it's almost over. I have learned so much and loved talking to our guests on this podcast. And today we have one more fantastic guest. Next week will just be me and James. Today we have Carlos Rodriguez. He's a pastor, an Instagrammer, the head of a nonprofit. He. He's a preacher, an Instagrammer, a head of a nonprofit, and an author. And my goodness, I found him on Instagram, and I would just—I was found his post so thought-provoking and just wow! I just loved his perspective. It's so different than what I heard growing up in church, and so just in awe of God and Scripture and loving people. And I loved it. So I asked, "Would you come on my podcast?" And he said yes, and I was so excited. But I want to give just a little introduction here more than usual because um, I had my husband James listen to the podcast. He listens to all of them and he said, you know, there were some parts and I thought, I don't know if I agree with this, but I loved it because it was so thought-provoking and just so thoughtful, like uh, perspectives I hadn't heard before. And so I encourage you as you listen to this, we're going to talk about a lot of a lot of hot topics from a different perspective and i encourage you like instead of trying to say like this part's right this part's wrong this part's right this part's wrong instead just listen to this different perspective that you might have heard before and just think about it our counselor says instead of passing judgment just like listen and play with the idea and i think you'll find so much life in this podcast episode i know i absolutely loved it and my goodness when he was talking about deconstruction i was like whoo, preach, like it was so good. And then just all the hot topic issues, he's just, he just did a fantastic job. I'm so excited to share this interview with you.